As educators, we spend the first few weeks of school creating rules and routines in our classroom. We practice and rehearse how to complete work and move around our classroom. But at some point, it's time to move on and begin your small group instruction. Now, small group instruction is an effective tool to provide targeted learning to students in a specific area or skill. It allows you to be more responsive to students and learn more about their strengths and needs that they have. With all that said, you may be asking yourself, how do I group students in a meaningful way so that I can deliver this targeted instruction? So in today's episode, I'm going to share with you some ways that you can do just that. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Teaching Made Easy podcast, where it's all about simple systems that actually work so you can finally teach and give your students bigger impact in their learning. Teaching is hard, y'all, but what if I told you that sometimes we make it harder than it has to be? I'm Farah, CEO of Farah Henley Education and host of the Teaching Made Easy podcast. I've been an educator for almost 25 years, and to say I've seen a thing or two is an understatement. I know how much you pour your heart and soul into your students and your classroom, and I want to help you find some simple ways to have a bigger impact without breaking the bank or spending all your free time focused on school. You don't have to be a Pinterest teacher to be a great teacher, and that is what this podcast is all about. So grab your favorite beverage, head out on that walk, or just soak the day away in a bubble bath. But sit back and let's enter the world of teaching made easy. What's kicking educational rock stars? Welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Made Easy podcast. I'm the Center Fairy, your ultimate source into the wonderful world of simple classroom systems that actually work so that you can finally get back to what you love teaching. If this is your first time joining me here on the podcast, welcome. I'm so glad that you found us here on your favorite podcast listening platform. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. Now get ready for another episode of helpful tips and strategies to make your teacher life smooth. Teacher friends, I hope you had an amazing summer break. I know I did. And now we're back for season four. I can't believe it. It seems like only yesterday that I was hitting the record button for the first time and just hoping even one of you would allow me into your headphones. Here we are four seasons later. And each week, I can't wait to sit down and record another episode of helpful tips and strategies that are going to help make your life smooth in the classroom. And that's what I'm gonna do today. We are kicking off this season with one of the most asked questions I get when it comes to small group instruction. Farah, how do you group your students? Now, I could keep this short and to the point, and I am gonna keep it short. I could just tell you the method that I use, but the reality is that every teacher is different. Every group of students is different, and while the method that I prefer and what I was able to use for the last big chunk of my classroom days, it's not the only method I've ever used, and I always kept others in my back pocket just in case my tried and true didn't work or I was required to do it a different way. One concern that I always had as the school year began was finding a way to group my students that didn't label them. Now, you can't see my air quotes, but they're there. One of the most traditional ways for grouping students is based on their reading level. And this meant that students had leveled readers that were, you know, color coded. And it didn't take long before students knew exactly who was the high group and who was the low group. As an alternative to this, you might want to meet with only certain students during your small group and let the rest of the class just work on their own. But the rest of the class is really quick to figure out that you're only called back to the teacher table if you're struggling 
or those students start to think that you don't like them because you haven't called them back to your table. So then how do we group our students so that students aren't left with a feeling of failure or like they don't matter? We know small group instruction is effective, but that only happens if students actually participate and engage with the learning that happens within the small group. The first thing that you must do is understand the factors that you are going to want to consider when you're grouping your students. Data collection is essential, guys. Ask yourself the following questions. What is their academic level? What are their interests? What are their strengths and needs related to this topic or skill that you're teaching? Are there learning needs that may impact how you group them? How can personalities affect the dynamics of your small groups? Why are you grouping them? What are your learning goals? It's very important to use a wide range of data when determining your groups. This can include any standardized tests that students may have previously taken or a simple assessment you may give at the beginning of the year. But your own professional observations and judgment must play a role as well. Once you have your data, grab some paper or note cards and write that information out for students. Using those note cards makes it easier to lay them out in front of you on the desk and adjust them as needed. You can move them around and look at the groups. Now that you have all of your students' data in front of you, it's time to decide on the main factor that you're going to use when grouping your students. The first way that you can group your students is by academic level. You could look at previous standardized testing or the assessment that you give at the beginning of the year and base their groups on the grade they received. For example, if you choose to use a reading assessment, then all students within a similar grade range will be grouped together. This personally is my go-to if possible because it makes my small group block and reading centers run smoothly with the students rotating through me as one of the centers for small group instruction. The general thought here is that students with similar academic levels have the same skill deficits and it'll be easier as a teacher to address them in the small group setting. But this also includes the problems associated with the stigma that the lowest readers are in your low group. This can be a problem if you have a group of students that tie their self-worth to their academic performance. And it means that you need to be very, very careful to maintain the anonymity of those levels. If I have a group of students that I notice are starting to make assumptions about the low versus high group, I may try to switch up the order that I meet with them, or I might even take an activity that I did with my high group and differentiate it for my low group to use it. This can disrupt their thoughts on the matter and leave my lower ability group feeling very accomplished. Now, another way to group students is to find common ground between them. This may mean that you need to give them a little questionnaire or something to figure out what their interests and strengths are in a topic that you're going to be teaching. This way of grouping will focus on what the students do well as opposed to their academic ability in that subject or skill. Now that you have that data collected, you can do one of two things. You can pair students with others that have the same strengths or you can pair them in a group that has complementary strengths. This could allow students to learn from each other and teach each other their strengths. Now, another way that you can group is using flexible groupings. Now, I pair this with grouping by academic skill, but the problem that I have found over the years is that while this is what is often suggested for small group instruction, there's not a lot of practical advice on how to actually make this happen. First off, your groups have to be flexible. This means that what gets a student into one group or another over throughout the year is constantly changing. You may move a student based on needs, like you have too many 
students in another group. Or you may decide that a student really needs help with a specific skill that another group will be working on during a time period. So you might temporarily move that student and push them in with another group. This is my preferable way to run groupings, but let me tell you, it can be overwhelming and it can create stress if you're not organized and consistent. You can run flexible groups in a myriad of ways and because I'm all about keeping it stinking simple, I prefer to first group my students by academic level. And then each week when planning my small groups, I look at what I'll be teaching each group and determine if there is a student or two that might need to move to another group for that week. Now, if you're using my Learning Centers Made Easy system for managing small groups and centers, you will want to reserve the flexible grouping method for after your students are solid on the routines and procedures of rotations. This usually happens around the beginning of the second quarter. This also allows you to get a little more data on your students' needs. As I've said, I like to group my students in multiple ways, combining a few of the methods that I've mentioned in today's episode. I always start by grouping them academically, but then there could be factors that require me to put students in different groups, even though their academic level might be different. For example, there may be personality conflicts, or as stated with the flexible grouping, I may have a student that needs to work on a specific skill when another group is going to be focusing on that skill in their small group instruction. I've also been known to use my higher students in my middle and lower groups as a way to provide support to those students by allowing the high level students to use their strengths to pull the other students up. One note. If I'm having to move students based on a personality conflicts, I always go down with the student so they don't struggle with the material that is too hard for them if possible. I can always differentiate the material up if they're in a group that is lower than their academic level. So you might be asking yourself, but Farah, which way is best? Unfortunately, there isn't a one size fits all answer. There isn't one way to group students and the list I've given you today isn't exhaustive. Your own teacher judgment and assessment of your students' needs are best when determining how you will group your students into small teams. When in doubt, start with academic ability and go from there. Trust your teacher intuition and remember, if it isn't working, you can always change it. And don't be afraid to pivot when needed. Are you looking to get your math and literacy centers organized this year? check out our guide, Three Simple Steps to Organizing Your Math and Literacy Centers by clicking the link in the show notes. If you're looking for more simple tips, strategies, and simple systems to take back into your classroom to make your teacher life easier, check out the other episodes of the Teaching Made Easy podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and check the show notes for any links that I've mentioned in today's episode. If you haven't done so already, we would be extremely grateful if you would jump over to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a five-star review because reviews help educational rock stars just like you find the podcast and help have a greater impact on teachers and students around the world. We also want to hear from you and we would love it if you would shoot us a DM over on Instagram to let us know if you thought this episode was helpful. Just look up for us under Farrah Henley Education on Instagram and Facebook. Now we would also love it if you take a screenshot of the episode and share it out on social tag us at Farrah Henley Education and make sure you tag a teacher bestie who would benefit from these tips too. Thanks for listening. Here's to a great year and keep being an educational rock star. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can find all the links mentioned in today's episode by clicking the link in the description to jump over to the show notes. I know your time is valuable as a teacher and I am honored that you chose to spend a piece of it with me. 
help other teachers like you find the podcast by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified when new episodes are available. Thanks again for listening, and most importantly, keep being educational rock stars.